0: G'day and welcome to The Grass Is Greener. My name is Tim Henry. I'm a financial advisor in Melbourne. And every week, my guests and I dissect your everyday challenges. We'll get you clearer on your goals and give you financial tips to make it happen. If this is your first time tuning in to The Grass Is Greener, make sure you subscribe to the show on your platform of choice, so you'll automatically receive each episode as soon as it's released. G'day, thanks for joining us again. As we put this to air this week, much of Australia is in a lockdown situation and really just wanted to say that for anyone that's got employment or business tied up in these closures and is being financially impacted, our thoughts are really with you. We're talking to a lot of our clients who are in the same boat as well and really can sense the strain that it's putting on people say to everyone else if you know people that are in that situation reach out to them and chat to them this week we are continuing our series start of financial year series and we've already discussed a number of topics and this week we're going to talk about spending and specifically emotional spending now this is a topic that i don't think anyone would be immune from and we've got karen Ealy from women talking finance who's coming to tackle this topic for us and Karen is an expert in this area. She's a financial coach and financial coaches by nature talk to people more on that emotional level about their behaviors with money. Karen had written a fantastic blog article about the strategies of how to kick emotional spending and she came in to chat to us about it. So we talked about what actually is emotional spending what is conscious spending, also how to recognize whether you are an emotional spender. And I think even sitting through it, I you know, you have to put your hand up and say, yep, yeah, th- there's a couple of areas there where that might happen. And also some fantastic strategies um, to kick emotional spending and establishing um, some plans to spend less but spend well. It was a fantastic chat. I've always enjoyed having a chat with Karen. So many great insights and also she really just talks about the real human element to problems that um, I think we all are faced with. So enjoy the chat with Karen Ely. If you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you, then I invite you to join the Grasses Greener Facebook group where you can connect, share and learn from other people just like you, Karen Ealy from Women Talking Finance, and Karen's been on the show before, and we're wrapped that she's come back on. How are you, Karen? Good, thanks, Tim. How are you? Really good, really good. Um, we are. Well, we probably can say, Karen, that um, you know we're already in lockdown here in uh, Victoria, and yes. And you're about to go into lockdown in South Australia, aren't you?
1: Yes, at 6pm tonight. We need to be all yeah. locked up in our homes.
0: So uh, interesting times, no doubt about it. Um, Karen, you've been on before and, and explained what you do as a financial coach. But for those that may not have um, heard that episode, I'd love you just to um, go back over that and just Um, Talk about what uh, value you add as a financial coach to your clients.
1: Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So a financial coach helps clients with their behaviors, their financial behaviors and emotions around money. So clients come and see me when they feel stuck in a financial position or not quite sure where to go or they want to change some challenging behaviors like the topic that we're going to talk about today, Tim. So what's important to know is that financial advisors and financial coaches are both experts in helping people improve their finances, but our approaches are quite different. So I don't manage or recommend investments or insurance policies. What I do is focus on education and removing those emotional behavioral blocks so people can set and achieve their financial goals. Because quite often, we need to unlearn what we learned about money in our, ch- in our childhood. Because our financial patterns and behaviors were formed between the ages of about two to nine years old, but we're just not aware of it. So, what financial coaches do is we shine a light on where and how your money patterns are formed. Yep. And so that's kind of how I work with clients more on an internal relationship with money, whereas as a financial advisor, you deal with more of the external.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I, I sort of think when you talk about what you do, it's it, you're really getting to the heart of um, the issues, aren't you? I, I feel.
1: Yes, yep. it's not
0: not to say that as financial advisors we're superficial, but um, you are really at the coal face. I, I feel like we're, we're really um, you know dealing with emotions and how people are feeling about things and and the triggers that they have in their life that that cause certain um, behaviours. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we've already discussed as part of this series with the start of financial year, um, some really valuable aspects, but I sort of feel like there's no more important um, element than the spending component. It's a core component of our life, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, Tim. So, you know, let's be really clear. Our spending is making a decision about how we use our money. You know, yeah. Yeah. We make financial decisions multiple times a day, every day of our life, and these decisions range from the significant and essential to the mundane and barely recognisable ones that we wouldn't even classify as choices, like should we order Uber Eats tonight, but then there's a bigger ones too about how much we would spend on our home.
0: Well, today we want to specifically talk about emotional spending, and can you sort of define what you mean by that?
1: Yeah so emotional spending is buying something you probably don't really need but based on wanting to change or avoid your emotional state and what most people don't know is that our emotions play a significant role in how we use our money and money is intrinsically linked to our emotions. So this type of emotional spending generally happens when you feel unhappy maybe right. unfulfilled or stress. And what it does is that new purchase gives you that dopamine hit or those feel-good hormones and it yep. lifts your mood and makes you feel more in control of your life, even if it's short-lived.
0: Yeah, and I I, and I, I guess it can be dangerous if if that's becoming a habit.
1: Yeah, that you're absolutely. You to
0: have that dopamine hit like anything that needs that dopamine hit, I guess. Um, So in opposition to that, I guess, would be conscious spending. So how would you define that?
1: Mm, I love that term. So conscious spending is spending in a way that's purposeful and being more intentional about how and when you spend money because most of the time, many of us, we just spend without thinking. So conscious spending is the process of actively deciding what you're going to spend your money on and having this consciousness or awareness will lead you to using your money better yeah yeah so people who practice the conscious spending they deliberately allocate money on what truly makes them happy they know what makes them happy and they cut costs in other areas so then they don't feel deprived or any other negative you know budget related emotions because you know no one likes the word budget do they
0: well, no. Well, I've had, you know, I often say that um, a budget really is just an estimate, and you still get to choose how you spend your money. And what I love about um, what you're saying there about conscious spending, I think it's just that when you really know what's important to you, it becomes an easier decision to prioritize things, doesn't it? And when you haven't done that work, it's like everything's swimming around shouting out for attention and and you and you call could fall into the trap of just spending the money on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just being really focused about where you spend your money. So yeah. rather than calling a budget, I call it a spending plan or a wealth plan. It just creates a bit more positivity to it and it's more empowering yeah. than restrictive.
0: So okay, we're going to talk about emotional spending. What do you think are the main emotions? Um, that are linked to this type of spending.
1: Yeah. So there's been research done by psychologists that have found that there's four main emotions linked to emotional spending, and these are fear, shame, guilt, and envy. So if we look at shame, it really relates back to quite often a low self-esteem, and I know myself, you know, for me, I didn't feel like I was interesting enough. But if I was wearing great clothes, maybe that would help my confidence. Or for others, it might be about their body image, wanting to build up self-confidence. Or from a male's perspective, it might be something like have an expensive car that makes them feel better. You know, internally, yeah. they may not feel like they're enough. But on the outside, everything looks good and they've got a great life. Yeah. And then the next one is envy. You know, Tim, have you ever bought something because your friend or a neighbour or work colleague has one and you felt like, well, if they've got one,
0: (laughs) I should have one too. Well, I think we've all would have to put our hand up on that one, wouldn't we?
1: I would imagine so. (laughs) We're all human at the end of the day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's right.
1: And fear is a big one too. So if we're feeling helpless or that nothing is in with our control, going shopping is something you can control and it feels good. And this is emotional spinning and it's best because we get that dopamine hit, which can be really yeah. addictive. And then the last one is guilt purchases. You know, this is often in the form of buying something for other people or some kind of form of emotional compensation.
0: Oh. Mm. Right, but is, and would you be doing that because you've spent money yourself on yourself, and then you you feel like, well, I need to equalise that, so I'm going to buy a present for my partner or something?
1: Yeah, it could be about that. I could even give an example of mine. Full disclosure, you know, I'm not immune to emotional spending. <laughs> yeah. I'm more aware of it now, um, and and cut it down. But you know, for me, my uh, husband and I separated about seven years ago and I yep. felt so bad for the kids and that guilt of them you know living in broken homes. I used to just buy them stuff all the time toys and things that they didn't really need right I know yep. much better now, but that was kind of a, a guilt emotion that I wanted to get rid of and I thought by buying them stuff that would help.
0: Yeah help and maybe it, it gave you that good feeling at the time as you as you've talked about so I think in what you're really saying is that in each of these cases, Um, yeah, it's giving you that feeling at the time of, well, it's made me feel a bit better about my situation.
1: Yeah, that's right. And that's really the heart of emotional spending, Tim. It's wanting to change the emotional state that you're in at the moment because you don't feel comfortable with it and you just want to change it and move out of it. And we use shopping to do that.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. So well, how do we actually know if we do it or not?
1: Yeah, so I'll go through that, but I think it's also important that I mention that the strategies and the concepts that we're going to go through are helpful and proven to be really effective, but yeah. they won't address people that have mental health conditions like anxiety disorders, depression or post-traumatic Stress, because these health conditions can make overcoming emotional spending quite challenging. So I don't want to trivialise in this episode about these illnesses and the associated behaviours. It's all about having that awareness and being more conscious of it.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Because when we're conscious about something, we can make changes. To
0: to yeah, cool. Yeah, Yeah, well, I'm really interested to know how we'd assess ourselves. You've got me thinking now. um, (laughs) How do we sort of assess ourselves in in, in this way?
1: Yeah. So, um, look, I think at some stage in our lives, we're all emotional spent. Yeah. So, you know, it's about examining the frequency of it, you know, is an occasional one-off a couple of times a year or is it a consistent behaviour on a weekly or monthly basis? And if you're not sure what yours is, there's a couple of things that you can look at to, to to work out more whether I'm an emotional spender or not. So emotional spenders will buy when they're feeling stressed out, upset, rather than actually when they really need to buy something or need something. Yep. The next one's a real red flag. If you have ever refer to shopping as retail therapy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Yes, you're an emotional spender.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I don't actually (laughs) refer to it as that, but um, I've heard it referred to many times.
1: Yes. Yep. So those listeners out there, um, um, that retail therapy, yes, that's emotional spending. And another signal might be when you hide purchases from your partner. Tim, (laughs) Tim, have you ever had this conversation when you ask, oh, is that new? oh, what, this old thing? No, I've had it for (laughs) ages. (laughs) Wanting not to disclose a new purchase or perhaps um, lie about what it's cost.
0: I'll tell you what, it got a lot harder to do that last year because um, I embraced uh, online shopping last year when we were in lockdown here and um, I was even getting heckled by my daughter because things were turning up at the door. (laughs) <laughs> being delivered another pair of runners and i do a lot of running so i i don't really hide the runners but i don't advertise that i've bought new runners either because i, I get heckled about um how many new runners get purchased
1: so there's a bit of sh- a guilt or shame <laughs> by <playing out> there.
0: <laughs> well they're sh- trying to apply it but
1: <laughs> it's not landing
0: no exactly You've got some fantastic tips for kicking your emotional spending. Can we run through a few of those?
1: Yeah. So I have some strategies that really work, but you need to put in the time and effort to follow them. Yeah. So the first one is to identify the spending triggers. So you want to understand why you're spending in the first place. So why are you buying those runners,
0: Tim? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Is it because you're
1: bored or stressed or unhappy? (laughs)
0: No, I think it's um normally with the runners it's because I need them. Well, then so, that, that oh, I've already run so many, you know, a few hundred kilometres in the old one so they're, they're worn out. They just it just happens quickly.
1: Well, that's a very valid reason.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> and that comes yeah, under that. I've you sold know, it you to need, you. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, it sounds like you need it rather than want it. So that's a bit different. It's about working out is it a yes, need or a want. Yeah. 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 So um. Yeah, so it's it's about understanding, you know, those why you're spending because is it related to an emotion? Um, You know, I had a client that used to revenge spend. (laughs) Her husband would do something to piss her off, and she'd go out and spend a few hundred dollars on clothing. So she didn't need that clothing yeah um, but it just satisfied um, an emotion she was feeling about her husband. it sort of made
0: her feel better about the other situation
1: yeah that's right but you know it yeah. cause huge issues in in relationships as well
0: yeah absolutely because mm. it at the end of the day um, you're sort of penalizing yourself as well for later on aren't you
1: yeah absolutely so the first thing is identifying the triggers yeah and actually, Write it down in a journal. So what are you feeling? What's coming up when you feel the urge to go shopping, to go to the shops or to go online? And ask yourself this question, what will this new purchase give me and how will it change my current state?
0: Yeah, that's that's a good tip. Hmm. Um, Yeah, I'm just trying to think through... um, any other purchases that I would have made last year, which um, I, I did make a few, and some of them might have been through boredom, I guess. Yeah. Um, we, we were just looking for some sort of avenue through that lockdown period.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I imagine you're not the only person that uh, did that, Tim.
0: Yeah. Like
1: 12 months or so.
0: Tell us about the, the next um,
1: yeah, so once sort of tip. Yep. so once you've identified the, the trigger... You want to work out what it's actually costing you. So mm. what are you missing out on because you're buying more stuff? You know, it could be costing your time. You're trawling websites, looking for something new to buy. Yep. Or, or it could be a financial cost. So, you know, it might take an extra couple of years to pay the mortgage off. Or you have to keep renting longer because you can't save up a deposit. Or it could be costing you arguments because you're lying to your partner about what you're really spending. And it's starting to erode the trust in that relationship.
0: So I think what you're saying there, like you're obviously identifying the triggers initially, but working out what it's costing—that that could be confronting, couldn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're really having to
0: front up to. Well, I've never really worked out what all of this is costing me, and I'm going to now go and have a look.
1: Yeah, it's like what are the what are the consequences? What are the long term implications? Yeah. And it's about taking a really good hard look at you know what your spending's really costing you. And how it's impacting your life, your happiness, maybe relationships, your bank account. Yeah. And write these down.
0: Yeah, and no, I guess what it's taking away from your other other goals, I guess. Mm,
1: that's right. Yeah. yeah. And then so once you've spent some time working out what is the cost, what are the emotional costs, what are the financial costs, then you've got to go forward into the future. So go right into what does five years from now look like you know you're still spending what's life like for you and what could have been like instead
0: well don't you think karen i really feel at times that um, and again we're all this has happened with all of us but i particularly notice with with clients when i work with them when they don't have strong financial goals or strong things that are pulling them in a certain direction, that's when they can be prone to spending on other things. And, and when you are really clear about what you're wanting to do, becomes a lot more obvious when you, you might go and spend money that's going to conflict with that. So I often feel like strong, having strong direction or strong goals can be a real help.
1: Absolutely, because our money needs a purpose and direction and goals give us that purpose and direction. Yeah, Yeah. so that's actually my step three is setting financial goals. And you did a great episode on goal setting um, a little while ago, I listened to. uh, Yeah,
0: with Simon.
1: That's right. So I highly encourage listeners to go back if they haven't watched that and actually set some financial goals because once you've got those, you're less likely to deviate and and go and do those emotional spending because you know you've got a purpose you've got something to work towards
0: well it it, it sort of becomes a a trigger of its own doesn't Mm -hmm. it because I think the trigger goes off you might want to spend the money and then a a second trigger goes off to say well how's it going to affect my goal and then the one that it's then a standoff between those two triggers, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's right. What do you want more? That um, that yeah. short-term fix, or do you want to move closer towards achieving yeah. that goal?
0: Yeah, that's right. As well as that, I think there's got to be some ability to have flexibility there too. You don't, you can't always just penny pinch all the way through and not reward yourself. There's got to be times when it's okay to do that, especially if you've been doing a great job on your financial goals. I think sometimes it's okay to have a splurge, isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's really important that you recognize and acknowledge yourself. So when you've done well for a couple of months, it's like, well, just want yeah. to oh, acknowledge that change in behavior and treat myself. You know, it doesn't have to be yeah. an expensive treat, but just really acknowledging giving yourself a pat on the back, say, okay, well, you know, let's buy something because you don't want to deprive yourself because that's not going to work long-term. It's almost like dieting when you, you sort of really strict and then you kind of just have a blowout and it's much better to be consistent in your approach than kind of
0: um,
1: feast or famine type thing.
0: Cool. Um, What next?
1: What next? So understand your weak spots. You know, we've all got them. What's that go-to purchase that makes you feel
0: better? Oh, yes. Now that would be interesting. Mm,
1: because, uh, you know, we've all got a spending weakness and it's about, you know, thinking about, well, what are the things that you don't think twice about? You know, mine are shoes and food.
0: <laughs> so, I was going to say food would mm, f- would feature, wouldn't it?
1: Mm, yeah. So I I just wouldn't even spend. It's like just take my money now. I don't even think about what it's costing. I'm yeah. just going to buy that. Um, so what you want to do is be be aware of those spending Items that you're going to kind of have that strong emotional pull to, and what you want to do yeah. is you know, you don't want to make that off limits, but you want to set yourself a budget. So, okay, I, I acknowledge that this is really important to me and, and this makes me feel good and it's aligned with my values. How much am I prepared to spend every month yeah. that still allows me to move towards my financial goals?
0: Yeah, now. Food would be an interesting discussion here because um, uh, something that is pretty new on the scene are things like Uber Eats and that sort of thing they have been going for the last few years and I'm quite shocked at times how many people you see delivering Uber Eats around the streets. Um, So that must be starting to be a big one. I reckon.
1: Yeah, and I've really noticed it with the younger people. We've got people in the office here that will go and um, Uber eats a coffee and a piece of banana bread.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I often feel like it's about um, having the top-notch version of that. You know, like there might be a cafe around the corner that sells banana bread, but, you know, I want the really nice one that's two suburbs away. Or um, you know, the hamburger that is the the gourmet one from you know, the special special shop. Um, I think that's what it's opened up for people that they can they can get that delivered to their doorstep. Um, but it must be yeah, it must be costing a, a, a bomb. I think.
1: Mm. And it's about just analysing and just having awareness rather than it just going on autopilot and not even thinking about it. It's like yeah. click, click on the phone, it's done. It's like it's a very short-term focus. You want to take a longer-term focus and say, okay, if I do that three times a week or every day, what's the financial outcome of that? What's that going to cost me long-term?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's where we come back to the goals, isn't it? Because then you can compare it to what I could have if I didn't do it.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's about Mm. making financial choices, smart financial choices. Cool. So the next tip is... Create a new environment, and what this basically means, Tim, is remove the temptations. Make shopping harder for yourself. You know, put things in the way, and that might mean things like you know, unsubscribe from emails so you're not seeing sales or new arrivals pop up in your inbox from your favourite retailers.
0: Don't go down the lolly aisle.
1: <laughs> That's right. Don't go down the lolly <laughs> aisle. <laughs> you know, don't visit the shopping malls or retail websites. Yeah. So that's I mean, one. I'm
0: just saying that as a, an example. Oh, that doesn't apply to me, of course. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're pretty quick to add that one. Yeah. Go down the lolly that's <laughs> Another strategy might be to delay your pur- uh, purchases. So wait a week before buying something new that's non-essential to be really sure that you need it and that you're confident that it's not an emotionally driven purchase. So put a time frame your place. It might be three days, it might be a week, but don't just kind of go there in the spare of the moment and, and swipe that card.
0: That's a really good one, isn't it? Because I do feel like um, just waiting um, quite often. You, know, you might even an hour later say, oh, yeah, I probably wouldn't buy it now. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's that um, delayed gratification, isn't it, yeah. rather than just like, not even autopilot, not even thinking about it click it's done.
0: I think I had this discussion with my daughter about um, something recently and she really wanted to buy it and I said, I think I might have said to her, if you're still really keen on it next week, I'll, I'll help you buy it and um, and she wasn't <laughs> so that was good and it was a classic case of that where it's like it, it feels like it's really important to me right now but um, you know, a few days later, all of a sudden it lose, loses its urgency.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It must be a kid's thing. I'd do that with mine too, although I'm in a little bit of trouble this week because um, my son got a birthday voucher and he wanted to go to JB Hi-Fi and buy this Nintendo game or something like that. And we went and had a look and he wasn't quite sure which one. I said, but he was, he was busting to just buy something that day. Yes. And I said, look, why don't we just go home, you research those games, see which one you like, and we'll go back and get it next week anyway we were going to do that tonight but with the lockdown i'm in a bit of trouble oh, yes, <laughs> I'm, yeah, not really. a, I'm not teaching a good lesson on delayed gratification
0: <laughs> it's gonna have to wait two weeks now that's right so hopefully we'll get over that
1: but yeah putting that space between um really helps you think about well did i really want it or was that just that kind of impulse thing
0: but i think uh Karen- what quite often happens as a parent is you do have these conversations about many things with your kids, and then you just think oh, I should apply that to myself.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> well. so yes. You, you think
0: yeah. you, you hear, as you're saying it, you think, "Oh, do I do I do that for myself as well?"
1: Yes, kids are great teachers. So I often get asked the question, "Oh, Karen, what should I do to make my kids better with money?" And I yeah. said, and my answer is always. Be better with money yourself because they they learn
0: from not what you tell them but by what you do. The next one you've got?
1: Yeah, so still around that environment. You know, set time limits for things like Instagram, Facebook or other apps that entice you to spend money. So you just say, okay, I'm going to set a timer for 15 minutes and, and then I'm off of it. Another one might be to delete any autofill credit card information from your phone or laptop or iPad because, you know, these days with technology it's all there and all you have to remember is the three-digit um, code yes. on, the, on the back of your card. Um, but if you delete all of that out and you've actually got to get up away from your screen and go and find your person to dig out your credit card, it just makes that environment a bit harder to do it.
0: A few more barriers.
1: That's right, yes, putting in a few more barriers in, in yeah, the way. Yeah, that's a
0: great idea, yeah. yeah.
1: And the last one, and this is the most important, Tim, is be really mindful of the people that you hang around with and you spend time with. You know, are they supportive? Can you tell them your financial goals? And they're going to encourage you rather than grab your hand and say, hey, let's go to the shops because they're emotional spenders too.
0: Yeah, really. Well, and that is got to be particularly, again, I would say, with younger people, maybe um, there's, there might be a bit of peer pressure around things like fashion and and things like that if you're going out. Um, so I'm sure that's very relevant that one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I've got two more strategies. So. The next one is to create a spending allowance. We touched on that already. So set in a monthly amount that you can safely spend on sp- purchases. So this is your guilt-free shopping to buy whatever makes you happy. But once that allowance is gone, it's gone. Yep. And then you don't, you're don't, you not feeling so deprived. So there's amount there that you can spend. But most importantly, you can spend without feeling any guilt or shame about it.
0: I really like that one because I do feel that if you just go into that deprivation mode that is not sustainable is it
1: no no it's not it won't work or if you're on a really tight budget and there's not a lot of room there to have yeah. those fun purchases another thing you can do is look at that purchase or that thing that you like to buy and uncover what the value is behind that because there'll, there'll be a value attached to it Yep. and then ask yourself of that value how else can I experience that value? So if I can give an example, someone that likes to buy books, like they're always buying ebooks or going to the bookstore and buying books. They love buying books. It's, it's their go-to purchase. Yeah. And it's like, well, what are, what are reading books give you? And it could be, well, I like to learn more and, and um, you know, personal development or whatever that value is. And so well, how else can you experience it? Well, you could go to the library and you could borrow the books rather than paying for them. Yeah it well, it's about uncovering the value and finding out how else can I experience that value that doesn't cost me money.
0: Well, I'll, I'll mention something on book, that books and it just made me think about this. So I used to buy a lot of books. I don't buy so much anymore um, and I never would get around to reading them all. And uh, it was actually, I liked the idea or the thought of, being able to sit down and relax with that book. So I was actually sort of buying an emotional thing, which was if I buy this book, that'll make me sit down and relax and read it, which I didn't do. So that was an emotional purchase. And uh, eventually I decided I was just, I wasn't getting through the book. So I needed to stop buying them. But that's probably a classic case isn't
1: it yeah absolutely it is about you know what's what's buying that book giving you Mm. it's that that chance to relax and have some time for yourself
0: it was giving me a great experience for the first 30 pages that i read yeah (laughs) (laughs) before i didn't pick it up again
1: And so, Tim, the last strategy that you can put in place is to find other ways to fill your time. Because you mentioned earlier about you felt like sometimes the purchases was just because you were bored, you wanted something to do. So it's about going and writing a list of a whole heap of other activities that you can do instead of shopping. And that might be like exercising, calling a friend. Yeah. So if you've done the first step, which is... Um, Identifying your triggers. What what are those yeah. emotions that are coming up, and you've put them in your journal. And you, you're very attached now to what they are, and you recognise yeah. them. Then it's like, okay, we'll flip the page. Where have I written step seven about other ways to fill in my time, and go to that and pick something off that list to do.
0: Yeah, great idea. Mm. I think um, just to take yourself out of harm's way yeah, or temptation's absolutely. way. Yeah. yeah,
1: removing those um, yeah things
0: that. That's a great list of strategies there. Um, I think. We are going to put those um, strategies in a list into the show notes, aren't we, Karen?
1: Yes, absolutely. They're Which is great. They're all a bit more detail in
0: um, those. I, and you've written um, a couple of great articles on, on this too. So I'd um, encourage people to, I reckon, even sign up to your weekly newsletter because I really enjoy the newsletter. Oh, well, it's me. not weekly. Every couple of weeks. Uh, um, yes,
1: it's monthly. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> monthly. not as regular as yours, Tim. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but I think the thing is that you're—they're all always so valuable with the topics. And you, and I don't actually write all mine, so you—you you do write all yours, which is really obvious. Um, could you just tell us the the links or how people could? Um, jump on your website and, and subscribe to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Tim. The website is www.womentalkingfinance.com.au. And if you scroll down to the bottom, uh, bottom there, there'll be a link where you can subscribe.
0: Uh, yeah. And you can
1: have, but... um, some inspiration once a month going in there. And do it I highly both.
0: recommend it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. It's, uh, it's always so personal. Um, and uh, as I say, we'll put those links in the show notes as well. Um, anything else you'd like to add, Karen?
1: well i th- I think the the thing that and I'm sure you would agree with me, Tim, you know wealth creation and spending it isn't often about how much you earn, but how much you save. and that's where spending can really come in and erode your financial position. So, yep. I think some people have this false sense of security, oh I earn a good income, so I'm wealthy, and they can often spend yep. like they are. But because when you earn a six-figure income or you might have a combined income, household income at that level, there's not as much pressure to track your spending, especially yes, those so smaller $30, $40 purchases. But they yep. do add up over time. So I'm always about it's not what you earn, it's what you save.
0: Uh, yeah, I really agree because I think um, it, it, that word that you use, the, the pressure's not there or the urgency's not there. Uh, we, we That's a constant thing that we see um, when... People have to be really mindful because they have to. Um, we see really efficient um, situations and and when they don't have to, it can become really inefficient if they're not careful.
1: Yeah, that's right. So what, what I tend to find is that people on a lower income have better savings.
0: Yeah, habits.
1: Yeah, habits than, than, uh, than clients that earn a higher income.
0: I'd really agree with that for sure. Yeah. And so I, I think what you're saying here is this this applies to everyone, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely. No one's immune to um, no. <laughs> that formula of income less spending yeah. equals what you've got left to create your wealth.
0: Well, even just going through that list has given uh, even me some food for thought and not, hopefully it has uh, given that to our listeners too. So thanks for coming on, Carrots. So and pleasure. We are... Um, going to try and coax Karen on here to the show every few months because she's got um, great insights on specific topics and you know get a look at those with that monthly newsletter that she sends out so you've agreed that you might come on every now and again and have a chat
1: yes absolutely I'm really looking (laughs) forward to it I love having a chat with you Tim and uh, yeah
0: cool that's
1: wonderful
0: we look forward to it too we'll see you next time you come on thanks for coming on
1: Great. My pleasure, Tim. Looking forward
0: to it. See you later. See you. The information in this podcast is of a general nature and does not take into account your own financial objectives, circumstances and needs. You should consider your own personal situation and requirements before making any decision. If you have any concerns or questions, please contact me. a great chat there with Karen. I have to really say it's it's got me thinking of my own spending and I'm not a big spender but it certainly gets you thinking about what areas you may have these emotional elements at play and and even just having some insights into that I think is hugely valuable. We will have a link to Karen's blog post that really outlined all those strategies in a bit more detail. We'll also put them in our Facebook group, the Grass Is Greener Facebook group. Uh, we'll put that in there next week so that you've got access to them there as well. I would just encourage you to, if you haven't subscribed to the show, subscribe on one of your platforms of choice. And also, give us a rating if you feel like you're enjoying the content. We had some great feedback this week from somebody who got some great advice out of the aged care episode and said it was great for their family. So thank you for that feedback. It was great. If you feel like you want to leave us a rating and give us that feedback, we'd be more than happy. And finally, I'll just say on our grass is greener website, tgigpodcast.com.au, don't forget that you can always ask a question on through the website there. There's a microphone, simply ask a question into that link and we'll be more than happy to answer any question for you. That's the end of another show. Remember, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. See you later.